0: Good afternoon, Peter, back for another health and well-being today, and I'm going to let you introduce today's topic.
1: Well, today we're talking about a common, common disease process that affects more than 730,000 Australian women or 1 in 10 women at some point in their lives. And it's only not till fairly recently that endometriosis has started to get the press that it deserves. So it's a common condition. A lot of our young girls are sort of coming down with it at very early ages these days. So I thought it's worthwhile we tap into that and and try and explain a bit
0: about what's actually going on. Peter, we want want to start looking at uh, endometriosis, but you want to sort of have a look at the the cost that this is to uh, the economy. So we'll start there.
1: So look, it's a it's a massive thing, like healthcare is a bill that's just getting more and more out of control. Like mm. it's, you know, so much of our, um, you know, annual turnover in Australia is is spent now on healthcare and it's just, unfortunately, it's going to go higher and higher unless we really start to tackle some of these bigger issues. Um, endometriosis is expensive. Like it's, a, uh, it's costing Australians an estimated $7.7 billion annually, both wow. in direct healthcare costs and in productivity loss. So for a lot of... Um, Ladies that suffer with endometriosis, the symptoms will be worse around their menstrual cycle, and you know, range in 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 you know, extreme pain, heavy heavy flow, um, you know, debilitating. Some women literally can't go to work when they're having a menstrual cycle because their endometriosis is so bad. So, you know, it's a, it can be a really de- debilitating condition. Um, and basically what it is, do you know what endometriosis is? Oh, well, in a moment, you've, you've got all the info right in front, Peter. <laughs> it's actually it's, it's interesting. No one really knows why it happens or what the cause of it is, but it occurs when the lining of the uterus called the endometrium somehow comes outside of the uterus and attaches the, so the cells that normally, um, in a menstrual cycle, the, the layer of the endometrium builds up, and then in, in once the progesterone levels drop, that layer comes away as the menstrual flow. So in endometriosis, those cells that can multiply and thicken to become the layer can actually get outside of the uterus and attach themselves to different parts of the bowel, the bladder wall, anywhere in that um, pelvic sort of cavity. And the this, the terrible thing with it is that every month when the endometrium's building up layers and shedding layers with the menstrual cycle, these cells will be building up cells and releasing these cells into that, menstrual, that pelvic cavity. So it a lot, a lot of problems. It um, can be found in the fallopian tubes, the ovaries or the pelvic lining. It um, can also spread outside this area in severe cases. Um, and I've had some patients that have had to have part of their bowel removed because the endometriosis stuck to the bowel War was so terrible that it was affecting
0: their bowel function. So the implication on this, it can be quite um, lasting, can't it? I mean, yeah, well, and far-reaching. It's, it's,
1: it's one of the one of the things. Like, um, it's one of the conditions that for a long time, um, it's not normal if if it's not normal for women to have painful periods or heavy periods or to um, have to suffer every month with a wide range of symptoms. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time, a lot of people have just sort of put up with painful. Menstrual cycles thinking that's just normal, but we know it's not normal. So, if you know anyone's out there and they're getting symptoms, they really need to get checked out. Symptoms vary, you know, and as I said, a lot of women don't seek help because they think that it's just normal. Um, so, some of the symptoms include is that what you're going
0: to ask me? I was what going to ask you, symptoms? yep, yep. So, so the lady's <clears throat> thinking, hang on, what actually is it? So, what, what, what are some of the symptoms to look out for? So, abdominal pain um, before and also
1: during a menstrual cycle um heavy heavy menstrual cycle or it can be irregular periods um it could also be changes in um, passing water or bowel motions as well like i've had patients in the past that have thought they had irritable bowel but they actually had endometriosis so it can be quite insidious fatigue bloating or indigestion and it can be a really big cause or a um not a cause of infertility, but it definitely can contribute to why we're seeing such an increase in infertility with young couples trying to have babies these days is where there's endometriosis. I've even had some patients where they were pretty much asymptomatic until they went in to have a look with doing a laparoscopy, and then they found there was a lot of endometriosis. So
0: Yeah, it's just always worthwhile keeping in the back of the mind if you're having trouble with your cycle. Having a look at endometriosis, and Peter, we've sort of had a look look earlier at some of the symptoms, some of the signs, but some of the causes, what actually causes this for ladies?
1: Well, it's it's really, the exact cause is unknown. Some schools of thought are thinking that it may almost be an autoimmune-related condition, and, you know, it's interesting that endometrial cells will actually produce extra estrogen as well. So someone can systemically have there because these sorts of conditions are often fed if there's excess estrogen being produced, so estrogen dominance. But once these cells take hold and start to multiply themselves, they start to produce their own in-house estrogen, so which tends to increase the, sp- the spread even more. So you can be doing things like some of our great herbal medicines, even things like broccoli can help mm. to clear that excess estrogen, but it's it's not going to clear it at the cell level, which is what we really need. So it's quite quite tricky. So, but one of the one of the thoughts are that it can be caused by uh, menstrual blood travelling backwards along the fallopian tube and into the pelvis. Um, as I said, this blood contains cells from the uterine lining, which stick onto the surface of the pelvic organs and can start to start to grow. And as I said, set themselves up as their own little mm. self promoting colony. Um, other risk factors: family history, women who have a close relative with endometriosis are up to 10 times more likely to develop the condition. Gee,
0: kind of like a lot of conditions, isn't it? I mean, look yeah. at your family history. If it's there, yeah. you're, you're a potentially a greater chance of being a candidate.
1: Look, it's so true. And, and you know, I, I will always say to patients, you know, our genes aren't our destiny. However, if you look at your family history, say if there's a high incidence of endometriosis or diabetes, then you want to be more cautious or, or careful with how you go about You know, eating and living basically. Um, So, other risk factors can include um, women that have long and heavy, heavy menstrual cycles. um, Women that get their menstrual cycle really regularly. Um, Starting to get your menstrual cycle before the age of eleven has been seen as a risk factor, and we're probably finding that more younger girls are getting starting to go through
0: menarche at earlier ages. So, why do we think that that (laughs) may indeed be the case, or a higher? Don't know. They're just looking at.
1: You know, the, the incidence
0: of women with endo and then, I guess,
1: checking what time did you start having a menstrual cycle. Um, having your first pregnancy when you're older. Um, problems with the immune system. So as I said, some schools are thought of saying that it may almost have autoimmune components. Uh, low body weight um, and alcohol consumption may be a, a risk factor for endometriosis as well. Uh,
0: so alcohol consumption generally or high levels of that? High. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And low body weight—we're talking um, ladies that would be considered underweight. Yeah, which is which is
1: kind of interesting because I've sort of seen it probably more across the board, but um, they're saying you know that some studies suggest, or um, that women that that are, have that leaner body mass mm-hmm. may be more at risk for endometriosis, or whether it just exists at the, occurs at the same time. Hard to know. Hard to know when they they don't know what really causes it.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I guess. But it's definitely on the increase. I guess it comes back to looking at the symptoms and, and uh, some of the causes and, and what puts you in the, at the at-risk factor. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. And even things like... Um, we'll go through some of the ways that you can go about trying to help it in a moment, but um, one of the um, possible put thought forward theories is the, exposure, the increased exposure to toxins or what we call endocrine disruptors, which can cause further hormone imbalance. So things like BPA you know, in your plastic coffee cups and Mm. even on your receipts, you know, when you go to the supermarket and you get a receipt. On the waxy sort of... paper and the ink, you can pick up BPA Mm. straight away on your hands from there and then when you eat, if you don't wash your hands, etc., Parabens, phthalates, some pesticides, dioxins, PCBs, uh, solvents, formaldehyde. So there's a lot of toxins that have been put into this class of endocrine disruptors. And what they actually do is they bind to receptors, they bind to estrogen receptors and other receptors in the body and trigger the body into thinking that there's, you know, excess hormone um, and and in other ways as well. So, yeah, trying to uh, reduce that exposure to toxins, definitely.
0: Well, I guess as well, let's have a look at some of the the natural remedies for endometriosis. I mean, you've kind of covered one there with the the toxins, but uh, starting with curcumin? Yeah, so curcumin,
1: turmeric. You know, if if you Google search turmeric, it's one of the most well-researched herbs, mm-hmm. apart from St. John's Ward, interestingly, which is a story for another day. Um, so curcumin is the primary active ingredient in turmeric, um, and it's known for its anti-inflammatory properties. So some of my patients will take turmeric around their menstrual cycle just to help reduce the treat the pain. Um, the other thing that really helps with endometriosis pain is hot heat you know, a hot wheat pack or a hot water bottle can really help with the pain as well. But turmeric, um, a 2013 study found that turmeric may inhibit estradiol, a form of estrogen, um, which can stop the uterus growing, uterus lining growing elsewhere. So yeah, definitely turmeric. But the challenge with turmeric is you've got to take it in a supplement form if you want to use it as a medicine. You know, you can add turmeric into this and that and into your diet and make your golden paste every morning. But To get to the level of um, anti-inflammatory, you really need to be taking a supplement that's high in curcumin. Um, Omega-3 fatty acids, so fish oil, um, high-quality fish oil, EPA component of the omega-3. One study found that women who eat diets rich in omega-3 are 22% less likely to develop endometriosis. And omega-3 fatty acids, the EPA component, definitely help to reduce inflammation over a long-term period. But again, as always, it's the quality of the fish oil that's important. And I think I was talking about this a few weeks back, but there's a new test out that can actually measure your red blood cell membrane concentration of fatty acids, omega-3. It's called an omega-3 uh, test. Omega-3, <laughs> omega-3 index okay. test. And actually measures, so it's a pinprick, it measures the amount of omega-3 in your red blood cell membranes, and they've developed the ideal percentage that then correlates with preventative cardiovascular and maybe brain inflammation as well. So if you're taking fish oil, it's worthwhile getting tested to make sure you're taking enough. And then herbal medicine. Herbs work phenomenally well with any sort of hormonal component in the body. Herbs are kind of more like our medicine on top of our nutritional formula. Um, One of my favorite herbs for helping with endometriosis, endometriosis is chase tree or vitex. And um, I've seen it where it's worked quite well to reduce um, the size and the number of cysts that comes sometimes conform with endometriosis as well. So there's a heap of herbs and herbal medicines are great because you can sort of tailor a specific mix to um that patient coming in with those symptoms, but
0: it is health and well-being with Peter Mullin this afternoon on 2 RFM 103.7. Peter, having a look at andrometriosis and you're looking at some of the natural treatments there. We've done the omega-3 fatty acids, herbal medicine, uh, turmeric as well, and dropping our exposure to toxic toxins. But uh, what about supporting the liver? That's next on the list. Yeah, look, definitely. Look, I always say to say to
1: patients, like your liver, think your liver is like a pool filter when you're 20. It's like someone gives you a brand new pool filter. It doesn't matter what you chuck in the water the next Do whatever day. whatever you like. Beautiful yeah. and clean. As you get older, it now takes about three days if you overdo it and your liver's got to work a bit harder. So.
0: Just, um just need a bit of creepy crawling in there. That's what <laughs> that could That could work, actually. Good. Um,
1: so as estrogen, endometriosis, as I was mentioning before, is an estrogen-dependent condition. Um, the liver needs to be supported to clear excess estrogen. So one of the best ways you can support your liver is to reduce the amount of alcohol you drink. Research has found that just two drinks a day can double your estrogen levels. And that's in men and in women. So that's interesting. Pretty, But massive, also foods, it? one of the best foods to help um, clear the excess estrogen or particularly the wrong types of estrogen are mm. uh, your broccoli and broccoli sprouts. So something like three to five cups or three to five serves of broccoli a week has can have a massive impact and it serves about a cup. So they're not hard levels to get to. Um, you know, yeah, eating, just a little bit of changing.
0: Food. So, getting that veggie up, uh, uh, intake up as well, and finally, stressing less, chief. Only
1: stress less. <laughs> Studies have shown that women with advanced endometriosis also have significant high levels of cortisol, which is our long-term stress hormone. Um, and cortisol is also needed to make other hormones like progesterone. But what happens is long levels of stress can lead to elevated levels of cortisone because the the, the precursor that we make. That we turn into cortisol we also can turn into progesterone so high levels of stress women will make high levels of cortisol and they won't make enough progesterone so even if their estrogen levels are normal they'll still have the appearance of estrogen dominance because the progesterone levels are so low so yes yeah, so the stress just shunts all of that precursor into making the stress hormone and not the because progesterone's anti-inflammatory
0: and calms endometriosis down in some respects Jeez, so we've we pretty much covered them all there, of course, in also the veggies and heat, which you kind of touched on. Yeah, before.
1: so heat, heat is one way of really trying to manage the symptoms, um, hot water bottles, wheat packs, warm baths. But um, as always, you know, always starting from the inside, getting the gut right, reducing inflammation, getting the liver clearing hormones or estrogen properly. And then we're starting to work on some of the anti-inflammatory and herbal medicine approaches for sure.
0: Heading to Gateshead to wrap it up today. G'day, Linda. Are you looking for some tips to manage internal scarring post surgery uh, today? How can we? How can Peter help you there, Linda? Uh, hello, how are you? I'm just ringing up. I've had a full hysterectomy. I've got, I had stage four endometriosis. Um, I had that last year, but I have to go back and have more surgery. As you said, it's a really insidious disease, so it doesn't, it hasn't gone away. My, um, hysterectomy hasn't cured it. That's one of the big fallacies that people have. Um, and I would really like to point out, I would love that doctors, GPs in, in general, would have um, better training to do with endometriosis because it took me nearly 18 years to get diagnosed. Yeah, I had yeah. everything else under the sun, and then they opened it up and it was too late. So, infertile, can't have children, etc. Kind of, you know, had a massive impact on my life. But yeah. um, what I would like to know is, you know, with surgery. They remove things and scars grow back and stuff. Yes. Is there anything, any kind of herbal remedy to help with that, or um, Look the, obviously with inflammation and, and stuff
1: like that? Well, the challenge, the guess? challenge, challenges with um, like surgery for something like endometriosis is because it's already such a pre-inflammatory sort of condition. You know, um, scar yep. tissue and adhesions are really common. Yeah. Um, so it's it's tricky to sort of manage that growing back of scars. But definitely, some of the things you could try would be uh, curcumin, which I talked about before. Yeah, sure. Um, I'd get onto the so good, really good source of omega-3 or your essential fatty acids, your fish oils. Yeah. And I would still also look at things like um, uh, yoga.
0: Okay, yeah. You know, with yeah, yoga,
1: if you get online, you'll find that there's yoga for um, uh, abdominal health. Like I know... There's a few places we'll do yoga for back pain. You may even find yoga for endometriosis. So okay. there'll be specific exercises cuz you kind of want to gently keep that area as flexible as possible. So I'd mm. I'd definitely check out yoga for endometriosis. Mm. Yeah,
0: that's really I never even thought of that. Yeah,
1: that's good. Yeah, and then the other thing of course is things like um vitamin C. So I'm okay. a big big fan of of vitamin C and also um zinc.
0: Okay. And what
1: what does zinc do? Zinc zinc's really healing, and um, okay. it may help reduce some scarring to a certain degree as well.
0: Okay, All right. Well, thank you very much for
1: that. Now give those give those a go, but um, definitely oh, get the exercise and the movement gently happening as well.
0: Okay, yeah, no, that's great, great idea. Thank you for that. No, my pleasure. Thanks Bye. for your call. Okay, thank you very much, Linda. I hope uh, Peter was able to help you out there. So, there's, I guess, one of the uh, a real life example of what you've been talking about this afternoon.
1: Yeah, just the fact that it can be hard to diagnose, but it's not normal to have pain. So if you are having problems or if your grandkids or your daughter's having problems or your wife, you know, recommend they go and see someone and, and get checked out for sure.
0: Yeah, and of course, keeping on top of it with all those tips like uh, you get your veggies up, try and stress less. I don't know. How often would, with, with any ailment we saw, just a little bit less stress in your life and you'll be fine. But gee, it's, it's bloody hard sometimes, Peter, to, to get well, on top I, of that. I
1: had a look at... Um some stats around um, what are the top conditions that people see a naturopath for, and um, stress is the top one. <laughs>
0: and yet, it, and it thirty six percent, and it seems to prevail all of the permeate all of these other yeah, conditions. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: You know, I wouldn't see a patient like I always say to people. You know, the stress has to show up somewhere. So, and sometimes it will change form. I had a lady come in one time, and she was getting colds regularly. We got on top of that. Then she started to get headaches. We got on top of that. Then she started to get fatigue. And it wasn't until there was a big circumstance change in her life to do with work that her health really seemed to improve. So while we were trying to manage each manifestation Mm. of the stress, it wasn't until there was a shift that things actually.
0: Note to you and your staff, Pierre, first question to ask oh, how's your stress? Might I, I might ask you about your stress next time when I come in. Knock yourself out. We'll do, how about you do stress as a topic down the road? There you go. Well, I think I think we should do stress, actually, very soon. All righty, that's health and wellbeing. Thank you, Peter. We'll catch you next Thank Tuesday you, on the radio with health and wellbeing at 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, wellbeing, pet care, finance, business and travel.